Welcome to Real Deep Stuff. I'm your host, Christy Buttles. With 8 billion people on this planet, there are countless stories to be told. When we come together as a community and we listen, really listen to one another, we can learn from each other and we certainly learn that we have more in common than we have less. Way more than we probably thought we did. This is a place where we're going to listen to real people share their real stories of struggles and failures and victories and challenges, and we're just going to get messy with all of it. This is a place to be encouraged and inspired and challenged to think outside the box, get out of our own heads and look at another perspective. Join me as we learn from one another and grow with each other as individuals and as a community. I'm so excited. Let's get to it. Welcome back to episode two, part two with Charles Height as we continue the conversation. And as a reminder, this podcast contains sensitive content related to drugs, suicide, and alcohol. Listening to this podcast may be upsetting and triggering to some listeners. If you're feeling overwhelmed or distressed, please consider seeking help from a qualified mental health professional before listening. You mentioned being in and out of rehabs. I have two questions. One would be, who was orchestrating that? Was it the, the justice system telling mm-hmm. you to go? Or was your family doing like a intervention, like you're going to go do this? Um, so first one I went to was outpatient, Dilworth Center here in Charlotte. That's a good one if anyone needs any resources. Outpatient um, over down Park Road. Um, and I did seven weeks of that. And then I said, deuces, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Um and 2019, um, I ended up in the hospital from, um, you know, being in psychosis. And earlier that day, I was going to shoot myself, but the Lord allowed you know, that not to happen. Um, so the magistrate signed off on me to go home with my parents and um, had to go to a treatment center because um, I spoke up and was like, you know, y'all aren't going to pick for me. I want to decide where I want to go, but I'll go. I, I agree. I need some help. Um, so I went to Hopeway off Sharon Road, West in Charlotte, another great place. Um, they have residential, which I did. Then they have a PHP, which is a partial hospitalization. So you're going like nine to four or something Monday through Friday. And then an IOP, which is like three days a week for three hours. Um, and how are you getting back and forth? Driving. Yourself. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then April 1st, the day before my birthday of 2019, um, they were trying to get me to go back to work eventually, and that scared me because that was a very hostile, um, toxic environment for me to be in. Um, Your work was. Correct. Mm-hmm. And that sent me back into suicidal ideation. and So I got sent to Billingsley Hospital, um, the site part of the hospital here in Charlotte and then transported to Davidson um, behavioral up in Davidson an acute psych ward Um, and then a case manager caseworker helped me find a place to go and um, I could have gone anywhere in the United States and um, told her I wanted to ride horses because at Hopeway they had mentioned equine therapy and I remember Covenant Day, and then as a kid, going to family camp at Windy Gap, we would ride horses, and I, I enjoyed riding horses. It was, um, you know, therapeutic now, I'll say, but then I didn't know, you know, but it was just very calming and peaceful. 
Um, and so I told her I wanted to go ride horses and do equine therapy. So got sent down to um, Etta, Mississippi, and then um, moved over a couple weeks later to the PHP program um, in Oxford. What but does that mean? Um, the partial hospitalization. Um, but in this program, you s- still lived on site. It was residential, essentially, but just insurance purposes. PHP. I was going to ask, who's been, was it government funded or were you self Insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you still had to pay some, but insurance um, pay. And then my parents, again, the support, um, put up a lot of money. Um, you know, some they were able to get back um, after battling with insurance, some they had to pay. So it's not cheap. <laughs> Is this something uh, Medicaid would cover for those who don't have resources? Yeah, there are there are programs where Medicare and Medicaid um, mm-hmm. would cover because mm-hmm. um, insurance or excuse me, treatment's not cheap. Um, but there are programs out there that are hundred percent free. Um, you have to do research because I've only been to one of them. Um, and it's a program in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, well, I guess part one is in Dunlap, Tennessee on a farm. Second phase is Chattanooga. And it's through a church, Calvary Chapel. Um, and it's not a treatment rehab. Um, is this called The Ranch? No, that's no. Okay. Ranch is, that's where I went in 2021. Um, when that I, was I, the other question I had because yep. I know you've spoken so highly of it. Yes, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But go ahead. Um, so renew is it's free. Um, they do have a girls program as well, but um, majority it's males. Um, but it's free and it's basically rehabilitation through discipleship. Um, so first six months you're living on the farm and working the farm. Um, you're being discipled, um, Christian discipleship. And then after those roughly six months, you go down and you work in the church and live in apartments behind the church and um, being discipled, basically, and having Bible studies. So it's free, um, you know, rooms and room board, um, food. Um, How does that work with someone with a criminal record? Like, do do they vet you? um, I mean, as long as you don't have a severe... um, um, like violent criminal history and then no um, um, like a um, pedophile sexual type of crime mm-hmm. but so they vet yes um, but um, Renew Ministries is an option that's free um, and they have ties to Charlotte as well and then there's a, another um, campus of Renew down in Florida maybe Bocaton I want to say um, so there are options of free, um, and there are even some free um, treatment programs out there. That's the beauty of the internet now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to do research. Mm-hmm. But um, but treatment programs to do some do take Medicare, Medicaid, um, and then there are some that are straight up private, where they, you know, some will take insurance and some are just self-pay you know they don't take insurance so it depends mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so yeah but i got kicked out of all the rehabs um what do, wait, wait, wait a minute what does it take to get kicked out of rehab um fighting is one um 
fighting. Um, you know, I was at times suicidal and um, was ready to go to another, or uh, ready to go home to Charlotte, to my parents, to get back on with life, even though I wasn't really ready. I just hadn't come to grips with, um, I need to work on myself, better myself. I was ready to be done and just get back with my lifestyle because I didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, so were you intentionally trying to get kicked out so you could leave? Sometimes I was. Sometimes I was just fed up with people and I knew how to fight. And that was uh, a way. And again, like I didn't want to be pushed around. So mm-hmm. the people tried me. I wasn't going to let that happen. Um, the place in Renew or in Chattanooga Renew Ministries, um, looking back, <laughs> kind of funny. Um, I um, snuck out and went to downtown Chattanooga to see Dave Chappelle. Mm. Um, <laughs> and and then they found out about that, weren't happy. And I was like, no, I'm ready to do the program. I'm here, blah, blah, blah. Said what I need to, to say to stay in. And um, But they knew that I wasn't ready. Like I was ready to be home and done with the program. Um, and I think it was a week or so later, went out to dinner. It was known we were going to dinner. It was fine. Um, but one of the guys got hammer drunk and I didn't tell on him. Then mm-hmm. he got kicked out and they kicked me out with him because I didn't snitch. Oh, wow. I was like, you're, he's a grown adult. He can make his own decisions. I told him I wouldn't drink. He'd made the choice to drink. That's on him. I'm not going to tell him I didn't. But so it was both of those kind of in knowing I wasn't wanting to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, both places in 21, I didn't get kicked out. I completed them. Oh, so, congratulations. Yeah. But then an hour after the ranch, the one in Tennessee, um, I ended up in jail, as I stated and told earlier, um, on felony charges and facing prison. One hour later. An hour to, yeah. <laughs> An hour or two later, okay. I was... well, no flies on you. No, no. But uh, Honey Lake, the last treatment and first Christian treatment center with therapy, because Renew Ministries is Christian, but it's not a treatment rehab program. Mm-hmm. Honey Lake down in Florida, um, 45 minutes west of Tallahassee. Um, that was... And I knew all the information. I'd been to seven rehabs by this point, but it was me willing to accept the fact that I needed to change and better my life to be able to have a life to live mm-hmm. and to achieve the accomplishments and goals I wanted a wife, kids, hopefully one day if I'm blessed, a successful career, um, community member, you know, involved in the church. Mm-hmm. neighbor you know I wasn't gonna be able to have any of those if I kept living how I was living because um, I had been in prison or dead but just the relationships I built down at Honey Lake and was able to open up and talk through my pain and trauma and begin to work through a lot of that and then I've been um with my therapist, Dr. Dodd, who's in Charlotte, Level Ground Christian Therapy. Him and his wife have a practice, um, but I've been seeing him for five years, and 
he's seeing me at my worst <laughs> and um, starting to see me at my best now. Oh, and, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so therapy is huge. Even when I'm having good days, good weeks, still good to go see him and should be able to talk about Because mm-hmm. I've been through a lot. Um, and I don't want people to have to go through what I've been through to realize, you know, you can enjoy life. And if you're struggling, open up and talk to someone about it. Well, I'm a huge so, proponent for therapy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> huge. With someone that's good and you trust and you've got that. Correct. And to have those good that good community outside mm-hmm. of therapy where you can open up and share and not feel judged and know that you're in a safe place. Mm-hmm. Because just holding it in makes it worse as it did for me and cost oh. me my life almost. Speaking of costing your life, can I ask you a question? And you don't have to answer this. But... I'm an open book now, so. <laughs> um, with the prior arrest, mm-hmm. how did you obtain at least one gun that you said you wanted to kill yourself with? How were you able to get your hands on a gun? Well, I didn't have any felonies. Um, and I love hunting. I still hunt. Um, and um, so if I had felonies, I wouldn't have been able to. But... Um, so yeah, was able that way, and then from hanging out in the streets, was able to obtain guns that way. So, thank you for being so open about that. Yes, it's a curious question. I yeah, hope. no, <laughs> I'm, I'm open to when I, when I speak at schools and stuff. I I tell them ask whatever mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the old me would have been very reluctant to answer questions. Mm-hmm. Was, um, reclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, the life support moment of Salam 9. Yep. That seemed to be just a real come to Jesus moment for you. Um, yeah. How long did it take to literally like get the intubation out and kind of start like physical and mental, like how long before you started seeing like there's, there's a future ahead? Um, mentally when I woke up and found out like heard from my dad and um, I knew there was gonna I knew I was gonna have a future didn't know what that was gonna look like but I knew God didn't call me home because I've always had that relationship with God and had my faith and trusted in him but at times I tried to do it by myself but so I always had even if it was 1% in, you know, walking with him, I still had that 1%. Um, and, I mean, so they pulled the uh, ventilator out, and that was like shards of glass just coming up my throat. Oh, wow. Um, was Oof. not, don't ever recommend that to anyone. Um, and... Um, and had the catheter in for a while because I was in neuro ICU for, I mean, two days on life support. And then I think that following day after I woke up, I think that following day or maybe the 24 hours or so, they moved me down to a regular room. Um, and I was there for two or three days before being able to go home. Um, but another very humble thing. And my mom took pictures of me on life support. Not to be like, look at the, you know, whatever. But it was 
because I've been through so much and downplayed a lot of wake-up calls that people would have looked at and been like, that should have been a wake-up call, buddy. <laughs> and for mm-hmm. me, it was luck or I'm invincible to be like, look at you, you know. But she had a picture of Miss um, Shannon, um, you know, holding my hand while I was on life support, Pastor Alex from Carmel Baptist, um, you know, praying over me, um, her um, holding my hand, just looking at kind of my lifeless body. And Hunter Thomas has played a very important part and role in my life since Chattanooga, end of 2019. Um, but if I did come off life support to be like, here's how close to death you were, in hopes that would grab my attention to change my lifestyle. Did it? Yeah. Um, how, how does it feel to look back at those pictures? You can't do it by yourself. And I tried to. Um, it's very eye-opening. Um, scary. Because, um, as I've shared, the schools I've talked to, grew up in a loving Christian home, went to private Christian school, that didn't matter. You know, it, it doesn't matter what race you are, what zip code you live in, how much or how little you have in your bank account, what you know, public agenda you have, what career title you have. I've seen and talked to people that have multi-million dollars to people that have nothing and those in between and it's affected everybody it, it has it has it doesn't matter who you are um, but one thing in the hospital that really I mean waking up off life support seeing how loved I was having that ventilator pulled out of my off my throat you know feeling like shards of glass kind of just that pit emptiness in my stomach like has this really happened to me to having to go to the bathroom um, and I have a catheter in and two attractive nurses come in around my age probably I'm 31 at this point I was 30 it happened 24 days after my 30th birthday got out of jail a day I think prior to my 30th birthday I had spent my 28th birthday locked up. Um, I mean, this was the lifestyle I was used to. and um, It's sad that you become accustomed to that because that's not a normal way to live. But these two attractive nurses come in um, and I'm like, I have to go to the bathroom. And they walk in with a pan. And I'm like, oh, I don't have to go anymore. And... And they're like, it's part of our job. I'm like, no, that's fine. Like, I really, they're like, you're, you're going to be here for a while. Like, <laughs> we're doing this. <laughs> and yeah. my sister was in the room and she stepped out. And these two nurses, I went to the bathroom and they cleaned me up. And that was, to me, I've never shared this out, but it's very humbling mm-hmm. to not even be able to mm-hmm. do a simple task like that mm-hmm. because of choices I made 
Mm. Um, that was very humbling and eye-opening. Um, that's, got, a, that's a low. Mm-hmm. I gotta get my shit together, basically. You know, like that was the moment for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. That was. Wow. That was. I mean, waking up off life support was the rock bottom, but them wiping, taking, cleaning me was another very low moment. Like I'm 30 years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, yeah. So. Um, so what would you say was, if what's a snapshot of normal then and normal now for you? How, when we, like compare, contrast. Like I don't if it know was if a there photograph. was a normal then. <laughs> um, Maybe not having a normal was the normal. I think, yep. I mean, I didn't sleep in a bed. Um, I slept on a couch. Majority of um, the old norm. Um, because sleeping in a bed, you're supposed to fall asleep in a bed. I had so much anxiety stuff that I had never dealt with to where I couldn't relax to fall asleep, but I could lay on a couch and doze off and fall asleep. Um, so that was normal. Um, staying up till at least one or two, um, you know, and later on, um, in 2018-19, staying awake for two, three days straight to escape in work. Um, heavy partying. Um, going out always. Um, if there's a family event function... Definitely showing up late, maybe not showing up at all. Um, if I didn't have anything going on, secluding, isolating in a dark room for a weekend with the TV on. Um, just depressing thoughts. Um, I was on dating apps to fill the void, find love. Um, so on dates a lot, um, you know, hanging out with girls, trying to fill a void. Um, now, you know, oh, and something I didn't mention yet, which is a big part, gambling, and um, was a huge part of my story. Um, max out credit cards. Um, <clears throat> when did that start? Um, two thousand eighteen, maybe. I think. So you're late. To I mean, I had done it like on cruise ships before, but I never had a bookie. Like, you know where. Um, How do you get a bookie? Um, through someone I knew put me in contact with the bookie that they had and um, saw how easy it was to win money Um, and I was decent at sports betting but then later on found out that my bookie had a casino um, part and I love blackjack and 
um, got very hooked on that. You know, I would fall asleep playing blackjack, wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and sit down on the toilet, even if I didn't have to use the restroom to play blackjack, get back in bed. Like on your phone? Or? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Get back in bed, play blackjack till I fell asleep, wake up, first thing I would do, play blackjack. At work, playing blackjack. Just was, was it like an online? Were you playing against other people? I was just playing like... against... Um, okay. It was online, but it wasn't against anyone else. It was just me and the dealer. Um, okay. It was a casino. So the bookie had the sports where you could place your bets, but then you could also hit a tab and it would take you into the casino where you could play different casino games. Um, gotcha. And it was still tied into his book. With real money? Mm-hmm. So do you have to put like a credit card in or something? Um, you would pay out or get paid each Monday. Um, so you have credits. With a book, you have credits. Okay. Um, and um, so you're playing with credit. And that Monday, you settle up. Um, you know, and you your limit starts out at a low number. And the more credible you become by either paying your tabs on time or um, being decent, um, you can get them to up your credit limit. And I was able to get my credit limit pretty high. Um, Were you always able to pay your tabs? I did, but some of that came from having to use credit cards to pay, which then when you do that, you're doing a fee. You get like a cash advance or something. I would, on Venmo, oh, okay. I would pay by using you. a credit card, but oh. then you pay that 3% fee. Yeah. Um, I mean, even, again, going back to family and support, you know, might have needed money for bills. And my mom would help me out, and I would use that money to pay debts um, or to get a fix even, if you know, depending mm-hmm. on... Um, so, yeah, gambling was a big, and that added a lot more um, anxiety and depression. Because um, I saw how much you can win so quick, but I mean, I've, you know, I would lose thousands in less than minutes. And, um, Did it feed the paranoia as well? Not the paranoia, but um, just like, how am I going to get out of this hole? Mm. And you know, um, and um, there at the the very last time, you know, I told him to um, change my password. You know, this has become an issue. And it was on a Tuesday, I remember, and I was and I'm in rehab by this point. I'm in a halfway house in Memphis, and he changes my password and blocks me out on a Tuesday, and that kind of frustrated me because I still had the rest of the week to finish my gambling you know and I was down 1400 I remember at this point which wasn't much for me I mean that's a large number but um, I had seen larger numbers and I could get myself out of that hole and you know but then a lot of times you I'm like I can get out of that hole but then you just get deeper in um, and he Chain my asset 
this is Tuesday, like I meant after this pay period. And I was frustrated, so I didn't pay him for about four months, my bookie. And people are like, were you worried he was going to come after you, blah, blah, blah. And I, I was like, I didn't care. Like, I wasn't scared wow. of him coming or whatever. And, um, <laughs> it was the principle of the pad. Going by, I didn't want people to push me around to take advantage of me. I felt mm-hmm. taken advantage of, and I didn't care who you were. Hmm. Um, so that, in a snapshot, mm-hmm. was the old me. Um... Oh, and just always getting arrested, ending up in bar fights, fights, ending up in a hospital on a Tuesday as I shared that text message with my mom. Um, um, So that was the old me. Um, And just unreliable. The me now norm is hanging out with the family. My dad and I, um, our relationship's grown a lot. He likes old shows, so me and him have gotten into watching a lot of Perry Mason. Mm. Um, and I used to hate black and white. I love Perry Mason. Yeah, it's a good show. It's a great show. Um, and I think my dad was telling me that Perry Mason in all the episodes, seasons, he's only lost he only lost one case. Mm. Um, so if you're looking fact check, I'm not sure if that's true or not, <laughs> but I love Perry Mason. Mm-hmm. Um, so me and my dad, we hang out a lot, um, watch movies, old shows together. Um, so I'm over at my parents' house a lot. Um, I like to get at least eight hours of sleep mm-hmm. now, whereas the old me was going off of very little sleep. Dad, you've mentioned sleep is important to you. Mm-hmm. What's the benefit? Um, I mean, I'm not on Adderall or any stimulant. Um, and I'm able to make it through the day. Um, you know, I still have trouble paying attention and staying on task with some things, but sleep helps a lot. Um, and I agree. Yeah. Um, whereas before I was never sleeping and if I was sleeping, it wasn't a restful sleep. Um, um, in a community group through the church that I attend now, um, which is Hope Community Church. Um, I love Carmel Baptist and if I'm blessed and have a family one day, I, I can see myself back there, um, but um, Hope Community is a place where um, I'm able to be around people my age, um, and um, also um, the pastor there, uh, who I didn't really know well at the time, came and visited me at Davidson Behavioral, and Pastor Alex came as well, but um, Pastor... Um, Mark Upton came and spent an hour with me at the psych ward and barely knew who I was. And to me, that mm-hmm. just meant a lot. Because mm-hmm. um, I was very scarce at the church there. Um, saw him in the gym sometimes. Um, and he worked out early in the mornings. And the only time I would go in the mornings is if I hadn't been to sleep the night before. So I would go mm-hmm. in cracked out and <laughs> work out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so to me, it just meant a lot. Um, and just in my singleness, it's, um, a place where I can find community, um, my age and, um, you know, and some of my good friends are from there that, you know, married, have kids or in relationship. And there's also those that are single, um, but I'm in a community group and we meet on Monday nights, um, and just dive deeper into the messages that were talked about the day before, I guess, Sunday, since we meet on Mondays. Um, 
Tuesday nights, I go to a thing called Barn Brothers. So if any men are listening and want to come, it's Tuesday nights. Um, you can type in Google Barn Brothers and it'll pull up. Um, we meet at Chuck Tyndall's furniture store currently because um, there's some issues with the barn. Hopefully we'll be back in there soon, but it's just a place where men can do life together um, and discipleship and just community. Um, and I might be one of the youngest there at 31, um, but there's guys all the way probably up to 80 that are there. And men who have been to prison, you know, divorce, addiction, you know, you name it, all types of different struggles. Um, what a great life. opportunity. Correct. Together. Yeah. yeah. And it's cool how I got, I heard about it. My mom, um, AAA Windows, um, Scotty Dean, um, owns that company. He's a barn brother. And my mom called up, I guess he's been doing their windows 20 years. Called, my mom called the shop. He didn't, generally doesn't answer. He's out but answered and she started just sharing well my son i think i was probably in jail at this point and um she was telling my story to him and he was like well um we have a men's group meets on tuesdays barn brothers and he was telling her about it and she goes would you reach out to my son so when i got out of jail before ending up on life support he called me and we chatted and i was like i yeah, I'll come out, um, and then ended up on life support, and um, I think October of that year, um, I believe, is when I went out there, and I went out a few times, and starting last year, um, January, February of 22, started making it kind of a habitual Tuesday thing. I don't get out there every Tuesday, but it's... Um, rare if I miss two in a week or two in a row. Mm -hmm. um, just something I've been praying for over the last couple of years since um, coming off life support was community. Um, I mean, three things. One, community was the biggest. Two was, you know, a, a woman or a girl um, to um, marriage and then a child, hopefully, one day. Um, and the third was patience. And I was been told if you pray for patience, better <laughs> buckle up. Yep. <laughs> Careful um, what you wish for. And communities, you know, it's not what I was um, thinking or wanting in my head, but it's what I've needed. And mm. it's God doesn't all, he hears your prayers, but he doesn't answer in the way that you want him to always. He knows what you need. And so, um, um, you know, gives it to you. Um, and patience, because um, part of the patience was the career. I didn't know, because again, I was bouncing around from job to job. I did, took a land surveying job and um, after coming back from all the rehabs in the 19s. I took that in January of 20 as a job, not a career. Got laid off end of September 22. And I'm still looking for a uh, career, have a career coach, but I'm being patient because he allowed me to get laid off. I prayed about the career. And I went in one day and got laid off. And the old me would have been pissed, upset, going out and probably done something stupid. But I was able to be like, all right, this is not the way I was praying for a career, but I'm one step closer. And I'll be able to look back and be like, all right, I was able to trust the Lord and he's provided. Because um, that's been something 
I tried to do it on my own and I couldn't. So really trusting him and in his time. You know, mm-hmm. I like to have things kind of quick and mm-hmm. a lot of people do. Um, <laughs> you know, having that security and comfort. Um, so I'm in that season of trusting, being patient, um, and still figuring out who I am. Um, Aren't we all? <laughs> we all, yeah. I love uh, Ruth Graham's tombstone and the story behind it. I don't know if you're... I feel like I might have... Yeah, she was driving on the highway and there had been road construction and there was a sign that said, end of construction, thank you for your patience. And she said right then in the car, I don't know know if it was Billy Graham or whoever was with her, but she said, that's what I want on my tombstone. And that I've seen it at the Billy Graham Library that's on her tombstone. End of construction, thank you for your patience. Because your story's not over until you're called home. Right? It's so good. It's so powerful. It's so good. So, wow. yeah, right? I know. I actually think about that. I've not <laughs> heard that story. That's Yeah, wow. I, saw, I saw it from my own eyes out there. Um, there's one piece of your puzzle that um, is is important to you, which would be tattoos. Is, is there something you can tell us about that? Well, I have a lot of tattoos, um, and they're not. I'm not done with getting them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've taken some time off since the last piece I was getting done because... Um, as I mentioned earlier, the first guest I had on was with me when one of the events, and it was when I was getting a tattoo on my right rib cage done. Hadn't slept, was high, and fell asleep while he was doing this um, piece on my side. And woke up, thought I was getting stabbed and robbed. And I, oh, you know, there's, you either fight flight or freeze and mm-hmm. I've always been a fighter and mm-hmm. if you, I, I thought I was getting attacked and stabbed mm-hmm. and I uh, unleashed on the tattoo artist and tore his shop up and then ran out back got hit by a car ended up in the hospital wow. um, and I was already at a very low place um, but um, so I haven't gotten a tattoo since then that was February 5th of 21 so kind of beginning end of my um um, long journey um, with addiction and mental health but uh, my tat the first one i got on my left wrist and it's one day at a time um and it wasn't one day at a time for drinking or substance or anything um for me i was never living in the moment i was always living in the past and worried about my past and how it was going to affect my future to where the present moment was just slipping by and I was in a constant state of fear anxiety because what's the future going to look like if my past looks like this no girl's going to want to date me how am I going to get a job etc um so that was my first tattoo I think 2015 I got that um and then I got another one on my right um, inner bicep. It's in Hebrew and says Jesus. Um, and just because he's always with me. Even when I was trying to do it by myself. There's the poem, I think it's Footprints. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the four footprints. And then there's two. And the person says, well, why weren't you with me? I was. You know, he was carrying you during those times um, and that's why there are the two footprints mm. um, 
And then the next one I got was my left ribs. It's um, North Carolina, and it has South Africa overlapping, and in my dad's handwriting says family. And the reason for that is he's had severe heart problems since 98, but in 2017 or 18, I think it was 2018, um, he got sepsis in South Africa on vacation, had less than 24 hours to live. It's a miracle that he's still, you know, um, with us. And he's been through a lot health-wise. He's a trooper and being in good health and eating right, especially with all the processed food we have now, um, goes a long way, just eating right and dieting. Um, but the day he landed from South Africa after he got cleared to fly back, um, I got him to write family in his handwriting and um, got that done. And then... Mm, um, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, and just the, I'm glad just the relationship I have with my family in general now, but with my dad especially, because we used to always butt heads, and it was because we're similar, but he wanted what was best for me, and I thought he was just, you know, riding me, mm-hmm. and that wasn't the case. Um, you know, I had lunch with him earlier today. He invited me to have lunch with him and one of his clients, um, which just meant a lot, and just love hanging out with him. Um, and then I got one on my left... Um, bicep shoulder um, and I got this one done in Memphis when I was in the halfway house in a garage by a guy named Blue um, Blue like the color That I don't know what his real name is but he went by Blue okay. um, but it's a lion and has a, a crown um, the lion of Judah um, crown um, for you know the queen city kind of mm-hmm. and then I've been to Africa twice on two mission trips, um, and my dad also, South Africa, they were over there doing um, safaris, but um, I love lions. Um, and then I have one on my chest, left chest, and it's Luke twenty two forty two, and it's, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Um, cause I was always trying to do it by myself and I failed and couldn't do it. Um, and that, this was, I got this even before, um, getting arrested, you know, facing prison and, and life support. Um, this was early February, um, and of 21. Um, but also I looked at my cup half empty instead of half full, you know, kind of going back to what was me, um. But I put myself in those situations, and and then um, the one on my right rib cage. Um, so David Shannon, who passed away um, ten years ago, twenty twelve. Um, There's a um, a pin, you know, that would wear, and it was um, thirty four, his football number for Myers Park. Um, well, I never wore it, so I said, oh, I'm going to get it tattooed on me. Mm. So I got it tattooed on me in Oxford um, when I was in one of the treatment centers. And um, and then I wanted to get more added to it. So 
and this is the one the day I was getting the tattoo and the incident happened there, but it's um so it's not finished, but it's a um, stairway to heaven and it has doves around it and it has his name in October 27, 2012, the day he was um that he died. Oh, but wow. um yeah, so I remember that day. Yeah. It's a day I'll never forget. And I had Hugh Shannon um, on the podcast. His dad. Yeah, his dad. um, To share David's story and as well as to share their family's story um, Mm -hmm. and just what they do. Um, A lot of families, you know, marriage in a divorce, especially if a child dies. I mean, nowadays a lot of marriage in a divorce anyways, which is sad, but especially if a child dies. But they've used that as just a ministry to share his story mm-hmm. um, and Hugh goes to the colleges um, and talks about the dangers of drinking and he doesn't say don't drink because kids are going to drink um, but be smart when you drink if you drink because um, you don't want to go and preach and say don't do this because then they're going to turn their you know turn their ears off they're not listening to you Kind of like when I go and speak, I don't want to preach to them, but get on their level. And I've been where you're at. Here's my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's able to share David's story and, you know, the ripple effects that a decision that was made has had. Um, but when, you know, a family loses a child, they're able to go and minister to those parents and be there for them because they've been there. Um, so he came on the podcast, which is, um, it was a hard one, but it was a good one. Um, and just a lot of other stories that, um, people listening might know, mm-hmm. um, that you might think someone know they've had it, whatever, but allowing them to share their journey, struggles and story because everyone's got one. Um, well, I definitely can tell with your choice of tattoos that you lean into the redemptive side mm-hmm. of your story yeah so and, yeah. definitely want to get more get added get them finished mm-hmm. and um i have thoughts and of you know joining mm-hmm. ones um to create one big oh, wow. kind of thing yeah but i've taken time off since that tattoo shop incident and um, um yeah. yeah but eventually i want to get back in there and have some more ink therapy. <laughs> ink therapy, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, but I love. It. I'm able to sh- mm-hmm. paint a picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people don't believe in tattoos, and um, I used to not. But it's a way I can share my story, you know. And I would never get one that is meaningless to me. Yeah, um, I think most people all, are pretty attached. Yeah, to they, they're all meaningful to me, and. Um, are a part of my story. Yeah, yeah. So with that story, um, as we start to wrap up, uh, what would you list like um, the the bullet points, the takeaways of the of the things, people, events, you know, that turned your not just your life around, but like your heart and your mind and your choices and all the intangibles. What would you say is like just that list that that were impactful to you? Maybe was it family? Was it your faith? Was, you know, that kind of thing? Um, family, for sure. Um, you know, like this past Christmas, my sister and her roommates had a 
Christmas um, holiday party, and I hadn't been invited before, <laughs> and we laugh about it now. And we laughed about it at the time, but I said, oh, how many of these have you had? And they said, oh, several. And I said, oh, this is just the first one I've been invited to. Um, but that goes to show you, like, she had to set those boundaries that I talked about earlier to protect herself, mm-hmm. her name, um, her friends from me, rightfully so, as I sit here and reflect on my past. Um, that's hard, you know, but she had to do that. And I'm proud that she was able to do that. And it shows how much she does love me. Whereas at the time I thought she hated me, but that was not the case. Um, so just being able to be involved and a contributing member to my family, as I like to say now, we're a healthy family. We're not a perfect family. Mm, Whereas before we were not healthy at all. Um, and my mom is I would say, I think my sister and dad would agree, she's the centerpiece of the family and held us together Mm. um, when it was tough for us all to be in the same room because of just conflict and my lifestyle choices and them trying to pour into me and I didn't want to hear it. Um, So just reflecting on all those times where when you see the good in someone but they don't see it in themselves and wanting that for them but they're not doing anything to obtain that because they don't see the wrong in what they're doing. That's me. That was me. And that they're still here and I'm able to have that loving relationship now. I mean, we still have, you know, small little quarrels and whatnot now, as anybody will. Families aren't perfect. Exactly. But <laughs> None of them are. <laughs> no, but you can be healthy and not be perfect and yeah. still have conflict, mm-hmm. but just know how to work through that conflict and resolve it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I mean, that's a huge that's a big thing um, and just people accepting me for me and knowing my past and still accepting me if someone doesn't accept me I'm fine with that now whereas before that would have upset me and that scared me now I just know that person's not meant to be in my life um, but the relationships aside from my family who stuck with me and loved me through the good and the bad the thick and the thin um, and then all the programs, treatment centers I was at, um, you know, where they met me where I needed to be met. And I wasn't always <laughs> easy to be met. Mm-hmm. Um, so those programs, um, and then Hunter Thomas um, from Renew, um, he's like a brother, a mentor. Um, just, it was hard to see him in the hospital that night. But I was glad to see him in the hospital that night. Um, yeah. Um, and then there was um, another event, of two, I guess, but this one time when I was um, in jail, um, there was an officer, and I think I was getting processed in or whatnot, and he called me and said, Hi, what are you doing in here? And I looked at him. And I was like, who are you? And then I remembered he transported me the last time I was arrested. Oh, wow. Um, And I was in the back of the petty wagon getting taken in. And we stopped somewhere. I don't remember where. And um, I guess waiting on to see if other people were going to get arrested that night. And um, he was smoking a cigarette, him and his partner. um, 
and he opened the back and asked if I wanted to smoke one. And I said, oh, sure, why not at this point? Might as well smoke one. Yeah. Um, and he put the cuffs in front of me and just sitting out there talking with him. Um, and then my next time I was, you know, in jail. And I wasn't in a good mood when he saw me. Um, I... Um, was getting into an argument with the magistrate who was giving me my bond amount and all this. And he came in, whispered in my ear. He basically just said, shut up in simple terms. This isn't going to help your case. You know, we can, you can yell at me all you want, but afterwards, but right now just keep your mouth shut Mm. or you're going to get your bond revoked. Mm. Like just shut up. And just the fact that, he remembered who I was and was like, you're better than this. What are you doing? Kind of. And I mean, at the time I was like, you don't know me. But now I'm like, just the power of mm-hmm. that one small thing, you know, that uh, the humanity that he had to and just say, you're better than this. You know that. Like, you know, our encounter last time was very pleasant. This time, it's not towards me, but this isn't you. Um, just now I'm able to look back and I mean, I don't even know his name. Um, if I saw him, I wouldn't even remember him, but I'll never forget, you know, the kindness that he showed me and saw me as a person, not a number or an inmate. Um, hugely impactful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, Dr. Dodd, my therapist who I've been seeing for the last five years is not, not giving up and kicking me out as a, as a client. Um, (laughs) Because, I mean, there was times where I would go regularly, and then I wouldn't go for several months. And because something had happened, and I was too ashamed to go talk about it with him and open up. And that only made it get worse. Um, you know, and now I'm able to have healthy conversations and work on healing and forgiving myself. Because um, my family and others have forgiven me. And I thought I had forgiven myself, but I hadn't. Um, so that's something I'm working on individually and with him. Um, and um, just the community, Charlotte, Carmel Baptist, and those who prayed and just never gave up on me. Hmm. One of my favorite scriptures says, The Lord will restore the years the locusts have eaten. And whether things are done to us or by us, we still get our fields eaten, you know, and and it's beautiful to watch yours have new growth and new beginnings and him restoring. It's, it's, I think it's one thing to like see, you know, you in such a better place with like your day to day daily living, but Mm -hmm. it's also so cool to see your, your mind and your heart are all in that. You know, you're not just going through the motions, mm-hmm. like you, you're, you're in it. And, and that's, that's really beautiful. And I would say, keep going. You're running your race really well <laughs> and keep, keep running. And, and so those fields can, can regrow and God, God will restore those years the locusts have eaten. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. A lot of people who, you know, saw me in my darkened days, um, you know, and it, it's a compliment when they say over there, like, you're glowing now. Because um, in a lot of pictures in my past and 
definitely in my mug shots you can see there's just an emptiness and mm-hmm. almost demonic kind of look where there's not no one's home like I was there but I wasn't mentally there and I was empty um, but now I mean I still struggle you know with anxiety and depression at times but I know how to cope and how to work through that whereas before I didn't and just when someone says you know that you have that glow about you that means a lot now because uh, before it was you know I had a nice shiner all the time <laughs> from fighting and um, yeah then there was nothing inside I mean I was, it was just emptiness um, so, I, yeah. would, I would say that's not true at all now. You've no. got quite a sparkle in your eye. And, yes, I try to. And a twinkle in your smile. Yeah. And like, it's just it's not at all who you are now. No, and that's the beauty of, you know, yeah. the Lord and what he's done and the restoration Amen. and mm-hmm. renewal. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I, I never thought I'd be, you know, seeing days like this. Um, you know, and as I was saying earlier, I'm still looking for the career the job and figuring that aspect out and um some in between jobs which some days are harder than others but really having to trust god but i know when i get there and he has me where he wants me i'll be able to look back and be like thank you now i know why you had me in this the waiting room Mm -hmm. um whereas before you know i was ready just to end it all Mm -hmm. um and never thought i would see the light of day Mm -hmm. um but Mm -hmm. it took the Lord really shaking me and getting my attention to yeah. what are you doing? I really think your tattoo on your wrist says it all one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes time. even one minute, one minute at a time. Sometimes it's one breath at a time yeah. <laughs> with some things. So as we close up, um, you, we thank you for being so open and so vulnerable and so willing to share and just kind of air that, dirty laundry because we all have dirty laundry we all are trying hard to like you know hide it and when we can just come out and say this is this is it you know this is everything i got um take it or leave it yeah it so many people resonate and we touched on several really serious deep into the pool topics so what would you say as we close um to someone struggling with suicidal thoughts alcoholism, drug addiction, gambling, codependency, shame, inferior complexes. What what would you I mean you don't have to it's not one thing fits all but like mm-hmm. what would you say to any of that to people like that struggling? You're not alone. I know you probably feel like you're alone. Um you're not um and I can speak on that cuz I've been there. Um and um it's it's not worth it. Um, there's much more to life and to living than what you're allowing yourself the opportunity to enjoy. Um, you know, you can still have fun in sobriety or get that adrenaline rush without um, gambling and or getting high um, or just finding that next fix. It's just not worth it. The relationships. It's just, it's just an empty hole where you're never going to be satisfied. And it's only going to make things worse. Um, you know, and opening up and allowing someone inside to help you and just 
help you deal with what you're going through, whether that is addiction, um, you know, gambling, um, suicidal thoughts, um, you know, the ripple effect for suicide after you've already made that decision because you can't come back from that decision. The ripple effect that that has, it's, it, you can't, that your family, your loved ones, they're always going to have that hole in their heart, you know, and they'll be able to learn to live with that hole in their heart, but that hole is never going to go away. Um, and it's different than someone dying because you play a lot of the what ifs, you know, what if I would have seen this? How did I not see this? What could I have done? You know, so just speaking on whatever you're struggling with, um, is huge. Um, that's something that I didn't realize until I started speaking on it and then had my, you know, death experience, um, and, you know, facing prison. It was almost, I was almost too far gone. Um, you know, you're never too far gone. Um, so just making it known, not being ashamed because being ashamed, um, can only make it worse. Um, and hiding it, um, and it's just not worth it. Um, and there's a lot of resources if you don't even want to talk to a family member or close friend, you know, a therapist. Um, there's even free resources out there. Um, which we'll is, some of those in the show notes, the National yeah. Suicide Hotline and all yeah. of that, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just important because um, it's tough. I mean, life is life. It's, you know, <laughs> life wasn't, isn't made wasn't made to be easy we were you know born into sin and it's called life for a reason but you're not meant to do it alone and we try to do it alone it it becomes very hard and overwhelming and once you allow someone to help you and into your life then does it become a little easier more manageable um so just not being ashamed and hiding whatever you're struggling with thank you that's a that's a great word a great word and so reach out reach out somewhere anywhere even me reach out to me there you go um we'll put your info in the bottom yeah 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 do that and yeah email or instagram so if we're still breathing there's a reason right (laughs) exactly and i believe that now because there's a lot of times you know i've mentioned one or two but there's several that i didn't mention where you know i shouldn't be breathing or Mm -hmm. shouldn't have freedom but i do and there's a reason yeah, there's a plan and purpose for everybody. Even if you don't see it or know why or what it will be, you know, the Lord's working. And it's hard to see and believe that at times, but He is. And, you know, I'm having to trust Him now with a career and, you know, the direction of my life. But as I look back on the last 10 years, I'm able to see there's a reason. And He has a plan. He's working. And you have to trust Him. Mm-hmm. But you can't do it alone. Agreed. Thank you, Chad, so much for your time today. What a joy. It's It's been an honor. It's been hard to hear, but like looking at you and (laughs) just seeing that smile and just seeing all the life that's in you now and all the things that you are doing and you're going to be doing, it's exciting to watch. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Come back anytime. We'd love to have you. It's an honor. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. A very special thanks and shout out to Charles Height for coming on our show today. And check out his podcast, The Rabbit Hole Show. Yes, The Rabbit Hole Show. 
please check it out. It's great. He has tons of people on his show as well. And I got to be a guest on it too, which was a huge blessing and privilege. And we had a great time and you need to go check it out. So Charles Height with The Rabbit Hole Show. Thanks again for listening to Real Deep Stuff. Subscribe to save your seat at the table for the next conversation. We'll see you then.